Well, hello everyone. Joshua Reese here, back for another episode of the For Jesus podcast. I have with us today Luke hey, Simmons. Hello, Luke and Alessi. Hello. How are you guys today? Doing well. Yeah, doing great. Great. We're back talking about how all of life is all for Jesus. And this week, I want to start with this question or this phrase. I remember this one time. And so we're going to do this a little bit fun at the beginning here. I want to do what most people do at a normal conversation when they shouldn't is uh, one-upping stories. So we are going to one-up stories. Oh and I'll, okay. I think I'll start and you can see. I think you'll see. win, but let's go for okay, it. Okay, I probably will win. Oh. Um, so Great. I tell this story often. This is, um, keep in mind, I am a youth pastor myself. And so I think back to this moment and I'm like, oh, I deserve everything that I get. <laughs> um, and I can handle it because of my youth pastor did this. So uh, it was I was a young lad, and I would keep in mind uh, I had a I had a a girl crush from third grade up until probably I was seventeen ish, eighteen. Like she had a crush on you, or you had a crush? No, on I had a I had a shameless crush on her. <laughs> okay, like I would write Yikes. her name on everything. Um, With hearts. Yeah, yeah, I would. <laughs> I would. Um, what was her name? Her name was Melissa. Okay. Hi, Melissa, if you're listening. <laughs> so, uh, so if you're walking around Mesa and you see a bunch of stuff that just says Melissa, <laughs> Reese was there. It's, yeah, probably. Right. Um, anyways, yeah, I was, anyways, it came time. I was 15, and I decided this was the night that it was going to happen. Every, all those stars seemed to be lining, aligning, and um, we were going to a hockey game. And I'm like, this is it. Thank you, Lord, for all my prayers being answered tonight. We get in a car. We're driving there. Well, unfortunately, she brought a a guy friend, a, a <laughs> gentleman, and he was better looking than me. Um, oh. And Aww. yeah, but that's all right. I was, you know, people would tell me you're really cute. You're gonna be really hot someday, and I'd be like, I'm two <laughs> oh, years older man. than you. <laughs> but anyways, um, so we're driving there and uh, on the I-10, and I'm just messing around with my friend Trina, who's sitting next to me, and I had my head like in the seatbelt. So I'd pulled the seatbelt. I should have been wearing it, but I pulled it and it, you know, it has the loops where you can like, I don't know, it slides on it, you know, it slides on the thing. You guys can't see cause you're in yeah. podcast land, but, uh, take my word for it. There's loops. So I'd pulled a loop through there and I'd put it around the top of my head and I was like, you know what? And then she's just giggling up there with her. Melissa is? Melissa is. Okay. Yes. And I'm like, it's over. It's over. This is the end. I'm like all my shots ruined. I, the, the stars were supposed to align. So I said, I think I'm just going to, I, and I say this now jokingly, but I was not serious at all. So that's why I'm going to say it jokingly. But I said, I think this is the end. I'm just going to end it, Trina. And she's like, you're such an idiot, blah, blah, blah. And then I slid the seatbelt down around my neck. And then I uh, I realized what an idiot I was at that moment. It was like the oh, crap moment. Because the seatbelt had been pulled out all the way, so it locked. Ooh. So it had to go all the way back oh. in before it could come back out. But my neck was... Uh, restricting that. <laughs> and oh so gosh. I'm frantically trying to get it off. I kind of whisper around, hey, ask my friend. There's a guy, Stephen, that always had his little butterfly knife with him. I'm like, ask Stephen if he has his knife. <laughs> so starts asking around, and then it cuts to where it's like, I'm like, and, and Trina's freaking out because I'm starting to lose oxygen, turning red and stuff. And, and she's like, I'm going to tell him. I'm going to tell him. And I'm like, do not. I would rather die. <laughs> and she yells out, Josh just has his head stuck in a seatbelt. <laughs> and, of course, Melissa turns around and is like, and her boyfriend guy looks around <laughs> like, who is this guy? <laughs> and my youth pastor thinks I'm joking, so he's, 
and I'm a class clown type guy, so he's like, any jab he can get at me, he's got. He's like, good. So he's tapping on the brake, <gasps> and it keeps tightening a little bit more, and then his wife hits him, and she's like, Dave, he really <laughs> is, too. So we have to get over, like, four lanes of traffic on I-10. We pull over. Oh they're trying to cut gosh. it. She digs her fingers into the seatbelt to try to save my life. I'm, like, turning bluish at this point. Wow. And they have nothing to cut it with. He finds a piece of glass on the road, oh. cuts it. Where with was the guy's knife? piece of glass. He didn't have it. Oh, boy, he Stephen, where are you with your knife? <laughs> he didn't have the butterfly <laughs> the knife. Night. He said, I didn't bring it because we were going to a hockey game. He didn't want to get oh. in trouble. Sure. So, yeah. Uh, so they find I a had piece to be, of glass and yeah, cut it out. Yeah, had wow. to cut the seatbelt out, and that remained cut my entire rest of my youth time there. And every time we got in the van, <laughs> I would remember the sadness of um, not being able to court Melissa at that time because of my uh, seatbelt incident. But it she, worked out great. So She breathed a huge sigh of relief after <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah, like. she was like, glad I picked this guy. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, and, so and that was my most embarrassing, but also just that I remember when that was a fun time. So yeah. uh, it was a goofy time, and I it's taught me a lot about today when I look at it, pretty much no. I've not had to pull over on the I ten with any <laughs> students and cut them out of a seatbelt, so I'm winning. You know, <laughs> I feel like I'm doing all right. You're going all serious now. So one of my earliest memories is uh, here's the one up. Yeah. So here's one of my uh, probably my earliest memory is I was. Uh, I think I must have been about three years old, and I was a big fan of Aquaman. And I just lost with a little respect for you, but keep going. <laughs> wow, that's fine. Well, so, the uh, movie wasn't great. Yeah, I never even saw the movie that just came out. Anyway, so um, I remember my mom was having a bunch of friends over, and we had a foreign exchange student named Veronique that was living with us. I don't know where she was from, but she was kind of trying to t- take care of me, and I was taking a bath. And I thought, you know what? I want to be like Aquaman, and I want to swim like Aquaman. So I stood up on the edge of the bathtub and did a headfirst dive into the bathtub, split my chin open, and I have a I have a scar on my chin. Oh, wow. that, you know, I remember having to go and get stitches, and you know that was the end of the party that my mom was having with her friends. And uh, <laughs> but um, so Good thing yeah, you didn't so. like Superman. That would have been a little more dangerous. Yeah, I mean, either way, it was pretty dumb. Like, it's one of the stupidest things you could think of. But at some point when you're a kid, you're like, I could totally swim in that half an inch of water. Yeah. <laughs> so that was my, uh, oh, you know. Well done. Yeah. That was, I felt But I was three. I wasn't 15. in high school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I made it in my yearbook for that story. So Wow. Yeah. What uh, about you, Alessi? Top that. Uh, okay. <laughs> Let's see if this tops it. I don't know. All right. So a couple years ago, um, I don't know if you've gathered from from the past podcast, but I'm not married. Out of these three here, I'm not married. So you're just not. No. Oh gosh. <laughs> Are you? Is this a plug for you? Sure. You sure. Um, no. Um, but a couple years ago, I went on this date, uh, and well, it was it was like my third date with this guy, and uh, and he invited me to come watch a movie with him at his house. And, uh, and, and he was a believer and I had known him enough that I was like, all right, feel safe. We're good. I walk into his house and he has bowls of bullets, like (laughs) unused bowls of bullets all over his house, like on his coffee table, on his bookshelf, on his dining table. Like that was his like main decor. Yeah. Yeah. So I started going, huh, that's a little weird. Like, do I, should I have brought my gun or something? (laughs) Do you have a gun? No, but oh. I was thinking that maybe I should have packed some heat to go <laughs> to this guy's house. But then this is what the kicker was. We're, like, sitting and talking, and uh, and he starts telling me that he loves to play with his guns. 
Now I'm getting a little scared. Okay. And he's like, here, let me show you. Oh, and so <laughs> he goes and gets his gun, and he takes it completely apart, puts it all back together, and then points at himself in a mirror across the room and makes shooting sounds. <laughs> like, full on acting uh, this whole thing out. Wait, so hold on. <laughs> and you didn't just stop and marry him right there? <laughs> No, I did not. I was like, I didn't even know what to do with myself. I was like, do I, like, we hadn't even started the movie yet. Like, do do we watch a Christmas movie? Like, do we, like, I don't even know what to do here. Were, were, then was it like John Wick? That's what you were going to watch? Because it's like more, more gunshots <laughs> well, than words. It should have been. But yeah. So was that the end of that, the relationship? That, it, I wouldn't have put it, called it a relationship. It was a three date experience and that was the end of that. All right. I no. I didn't know. I wasn't. The bowls seemed normal, but then when you went to the sound effects, they <laughs> were pointing at yourself. That's uh, uh. Yeah. I mean, I was like, because I was about to make a comment that you just don't want a, a you know, a protector. You know. I mean, oh no, I'm all about he knows a protector. How to clean his gun team team Edward, remember? He keeps <laughs> ammo. That seems like he plans well, but then the yeah. pointing at himself in the mirror <laughs> seems good. He's like practicing his kill shot. It's like yeah. a little like. Did he turn it sideways? Yeah, he did. Like the get okay, smart, okay. you know, <laughs> kill shot. <laughs> Great. Great. All right. Well, thank you for sharing those fun stories. That one was a little weird. Uh, went <laughs> well, little I was trying to one up you. Yeah, it, it went there. It went there. Yeah, so sweet. We have all these stories, not just to laugh, but God, God gives us memories. You know, we have those, and we we have them for a reason. And the reason I want to talk about this, I remember this one time. Um, that statement is. Kind of the idea from De- Deuteronomy chapter 6, uh, verse 12, uh, would read this. Take care lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Mm-hmm. And so we have these times in life over and over and over where um, God writes stories. And he even allows us to be foolish. Uh, he allows us to be um, to, to be wrong, to be, and, and still breathe, which is a beautiful thing, right? He, he doesn't just snuff our life when we mess up, <clears throat> but he has these uh, stories that he writes, and it's by looking at those stories and remembering those stories that allow us to be uh, who we are today and will who we will be uh, forever, and so um, we, to say it a little more holy, he's sanctifying us mm. um, uh, by, by our experiences even in life. And so I just kind of want to talk through a few different stories of go back around the circle and maybe not try to one up each other as much <laughs> as the funny stories. Um, but really get in the practice of telling stories and knowing those stories and, and even focusing on them stories of our past and how God has worked or reshaped the word I used was reshaped, um, our view of either ourselves or the world. Um, so I guess, uh, Luke, do you want to start us off with the first story of that? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different things we could talk about um, in terms of things that I have learned and experienced. Um, one that comes to mind just based off of the kind of season we've been in, I, I've had a number of people lately say to me, man, I don't envy you as a leader because it just feels like no matter what decisions you make, people aren't going to like it. Whatever you're talking about, that tends to be the case. Um and uh, that's made me think a little bit about um, kind of an experience I had when I was a, a young leader. I had not that long before been hired as a 
as a ministry intern at the church that I was at. It was called East Valley Bible Church. Now it's Redemption Gilbert. And, um, and I was on staff there. I originally as an intern, then became kind of a, a pastoral type role. And there was a stretch a couple years into me being on staff there. I was probably 25 or 26. And at that point, there was just a lot of different challenges going on in the church. Um, the church had grown really, really fast. We always kind of joked that we were sort of like a uh, 12-year-old that looked like an 18-year-old but mm-hmm. acted like a 9-year-old <laughs> because the church had just grown like crazy. Um, and so even though it looked really big and mature, it really wasn't all that mature in certain ways. And so there was some division between the lead pastor and the staff and the staff and the elders and lots of different stuff like that. And so um, Tom Schrader was the senior pastor, and he at one point, uh, decided to give the entire uh, pastoral staff a survey. And it had just basically questions really asking us to evaluate him and his leadership. And he said, if you want to have this be anonymous, you can, that's fine. You want to put your name on it, that's fine, you can. Well, I had a lot of opinions about Tom <laughs> How old were you? and his leadership. I think I was 25. 25. I mean, I knew a lot because I was 25 That's and right, I had been yeah. in ministry for five seconds. Um, but I, you know, I saw things that I didn't really like about his leadership and the way he was leading it. Um, of course, I had only a pretty limited perspective that I realize now. But at the time, I, I knew what I knew. And um, I said, man, I'm, I'm not I'm going to write my name on this survey. And so I wrote my name on it and I just kind of let him have it. You know, mm-hmm. I told him everything that I thought was wrong with his leadership. And um, I won't get into details on what I thought those things were uh, right now. I don't know that that would be needed. But um, I remember, you know, handing that into him. And uh, at some point, maybe a couple of weeks later, he was like, so I read what you wrote. Oh, so you didn't do it anonymous. I was just you put your name that. on it. No, I put my name on it. Mm. Yeah, no, I didn't. I was like, I'm not doing it anonymous. And to this day, I really don't have a great deal of respect for anonymous. Yeah, criti- criticism. I feel like put your name on it. You know, there's still stuff to learn from anonymous criticism, but put your name on it. So I put my name on it, and he was like, "Man, I read what you wrote, and uh, you had some, you had some strong things to say, basically." Mm. And of course, having the conversation, I was a lot milder because you're always a lot milder in person yeah. uh, than in writing. Um, but yeah, I just, I remember being super, uh, I remember just being super harsh and super direct and super critical really was kind of the big thing. And um, to Tom's credit, and this is actually one of the most amazing things to me about him. Um, f- first of all, I was one of, I think about eight different leaders on staff that were under 28 years old at the time. So He's surrounded him by young people who are idealistic and who do have a view of how things definitely have to be. And he wasn't intimidated by that. And he asked for our input. Right? He really did want feedback. And yeah. boy, did we give it to him. Um, but to his to his credit and really to my amazement even now, because whenever I tell that story now, people tend to go, man, did you get fired? Like, mm. did he just like whack you right there? Like what happened? And I actually from that point only ever kind of got promoted. Um, not that we really thought in those terms, sure, but I, sure. more opportunity, more voice, more influence. Like he had the security to be able to take that kind of criticism. But anyway, I fast forward now many years later, being a lead pastor and realizing there are so many more things that I now know 
about what's involved in being a being a leader of a church that I had no idea about then, and I couldn't have known about then, and um, and I a lot of times I just sort of shake my head and go, man, I was a knucklehead. I can't believe I. I can't believe that. Um, there's a saying that sometimes Seth Trout, who's on our staff, he and I will talk about, he calls it three feet of wood, that there's a difference between being on that side of the desk and this side of the desk, you know, and it's three feet of wood. And um, and that doesn't mean that when you're the leader, you have all the perspective, and that doesn't mean you don't have anything to learn. I mean, I think Tom really did learn from those surveys. Sure. Um, but it does mean, I don't know, I, I look at it now and go, um, there are people who want to, be critical of things that if they had the information that I have on certain things, I think they'd think the way I think about it, mm-hmm. but I can't always give them that information because it's not, you know, whatever the case is. Um, anyway, it just, it just creates a whole different perspective and really creates a level of sympathy for me and empathy for me for when people I think are overly harsh and, and to be really clear, I get a lot of attaboys. <laughs> I get a lot of support. I feel very encouraged. I don't get a bunch of blowback and a bunch of angry criticism. I get some of that, just like any leader does. But I feel like on the whole, I get way more encouragement than critique. But when I do get critique, and especially critique that I think is unfair, mm. I try to go, I was <laughs> the person giving that yeah. at one point. And, um, and I therefore, I don't want to write that person off, cast them into outer darkness, cancel them but actually go, maybe there's things I can learn and uh, maybe God will give them some of the perspective that he's given me. Um, and I, and I keep, and it's interesting cause I, I don't have any fewer opinions than I had then. Sure. Right. <laughs> yeah. And so I have lots of critique for all kinds of things. Um, I could critique right now, the big 10 conference approach to football and I could critique Doug Ducey about this and president Trump about that and Nancy Pelosi about that and on and on and on. And I just, uh, it's just a great reminder that God is gracious mm. to us when we think we know everything and we just don't. Yeah. Yeah. I love that story because I feel like that's a good picture that y- we would look back and say, I wish I did, could go back and do that differently. But I think that if you could go back and do it differently, you shouldn't because it helped yeah. teach you uh, mm. a lot and you learn from that. And it's kind of like, yeah, it's great. It's a great picture of that. So. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. Uh, I think I want to move to Alessi uh, next and see if she's got a, a story for us. So I remember this one time. I remember this one time when um, we'll actually go back a few years. Uh, so I was in high school. I was trying to figure out where in the world to go um, to college. And I had grown up in Arizona and I was ready to get out. I wanted to leave. I wanted to go somewhere with seasons since that was my, my, my two requirements uh, <laughs> for a college was that it, I had to submit a statement of faith uh, to be able to go in because I really wanted, coming from a, a, a public high school, I really thought that this was my last four years to like be um, centered on the word and to be... Um, to be taught well, uh, to be taught the Bible, um, and then also hoping for some just awesome godly friends. So anyway, it was seasons and a statement of faith. So I really wanted to go um, to uh, Wheaton College. That was like my number one. I got to go. My parents sent me even alone. Like we stayed, I stayed with some family friends, and I got to go and interview with them. And I was sitting, I remember sitting in a lawn uh, or like on a bench in the park there. And What time of year did you go? Oh, it was beautiful. Um, March. Okay. Like I went in March. 
Yeah, so you got a little seasons of yeah, Chicago then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was gorgeous. The leaves and, oh, everything was beautiful. Um, and uh, I just felt like this is where I was supposed to be. Like, this is where I'm going to go. So I that kind of made it so I wasn't very nervous for any of the interview because I felt very confident. And I was 18, 17, 18. I was like, got this in the bag. This is where I'm supposed to be, so I don't need to worry. And it was the only school I didn't get in. Um it was an interesting time because I was crushed. Uh, I was actually put like on the waiting list. And then um, I had already made my decision of where I was going to go. Uh, and I decided on Biola, um, which was in California. So that's where I was like, it's not seasons. But they had a program that I loved. And it was totally where I was supposed to be. Um, so fast forward a few years later. And I, if you would have asked me, um, I don't know, 10 years ago, uh, where I was going to be in 10 years. I would have told you married probably with a kid, two kids, you know, 25, 26, in the Christian circle that seemed very normal, not too far-fetched, um, probably scary to young single men. But um, as a... Not s- to bullet boy. <laughs> I don't know. He was <laughs> called bullet boy. <laughs> you could have had bullet boy, but you didn't want it. I guess not. <laughs> Um, we'll move on. Um, so anyway, but I, I would have thought that that was the path that I was on and kind of since, since, uh, college, since before college, the Lord's kind of been working on rewiring my idea of what I thought my story would look like and be. And, um, but all in that, He's been faithful, and he has revealed himself just through godly friends, through challenging experiences that drew, drew me closer to him. And um, but was what was what was really cool is okay. So three years ago, I was looking into. I was teaching at the time, and my life wasn't busy enough. So I thought, hey, why don't I add a master's program on top of this? And I found this great program um, through Wheaton College, um, and it was Propel Women. So it's an all-women's group. Um, Christine Kane and Ann Voskamp are a part of it. And I, so I get to, like, learn with these women. And I was like, oh, this would be so cool. It's in leadership and evangelism. I had no idea that I was going to go into ministry a year and a half later. Um, but just felt like if I'm doing a master's, why not this master's? Um, I can always grow in leadership. I can always grow in how to share Jesus with people. So I applied and I got in. Mm. And I was like, huh, this is, this is kind of weird. This is where I thought I was supposed to be four years ago. Um, and it wasn't until actually just uh, the last time I went out that one of the ladies in my class, so now I've been in the class for a year and a half. I have one year left. Um, and one of the ladies, we were talking about these rocks of remembrance um, and just remembering kind of the promises and, and the, these rocks of the way God moves to help us keep going. And, and she pointed out in my life, because here I am thinking, I still would love to be a mom someday. I still would love to be married. I still would love all these things, but I'm just trying to faithfully seek him through it. And she goes, do you not see that he's done that for you, that he has fulfilled his promises in you? You had a desire when you were 17 years old to go to Wheaton that he placed in you. You're sitting on that bench. And, you know, five years later, here you are. Mm. And I was like, whoa. And my flesh maybe goes, well, it's not still exactly what I thought I wanted, but it's exactly where I was supposed to be and exactly the path that he has me on. Mm. And he's reminding me that, yeah, I I know you. I made you. I gave you those desires, and I'm going to meet those desires and fulfill those desires, but in my timing and Mm. in my plan. 
And so that's kind of, I remember this one time when I've doubted <laughs> constantly, when I've been sad or disappointed, but yet he sweetly continues to return and remind me that he is faithful mm. and that he fulfills his promises. Um, and that's just been kind of one of my rocks that I hold on to um, and get to remember. And I'm also very thankful for it because he didn't need to, he didn't need to make it so that I went to Wheaton or he, whatever that, whatever that is. I think it's different in everyone's life, but that is a time that I remember when he fulfilled his promises. Yeah, that's sweet. That makes me think of Psalm 37, 4. You know, a lot of people, especially young people, really like the, this verse of delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And I think a lot of times we want to add to that right this second. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, but that's such a great story of that. That really was a desire of your heart. Mm -hmm. And the Lord did meet it, just not right this second. Right. He took time. Yeah. And it's probably still true. There's mm -hmm. probably things we all want that are good things, that are God things that he does want for us. And he may just not want them right now. Mm. But that doesn't mean that they won't come. Yeah. Mm. That's great. That's great. Yeah, I, my story uh, that I want to share, uh, that I've chosen to share, there's many uh, stories because unfortunately, um, well, I have this saying that I say in my life. I tell people that my dad said it to me, but he really didn't. Uh, <laughs> my dad used to always tell Sounds me. Sounds richer. So is this something we should know, like for the rest of this podcast, if you say my dad it's did probably blank not he did. He probably didn't say it, yeah. <laughs> so did he give if you it, the Matt I Chandler CD that we talked did. about he last did time? He did do that. Oh. He did do that. But if I say, it's like my dad always tells me. Then that's okay. not, he didn't really tell me. Um, but Loaded. I say, if you're dumb, you got to be tough. And I'm the toughest guy I know. <laughs> so if you, most people just think I'm bragging on how tough I am. But if you didn't get that, I'm saying that I'm one of the dumbest guys I know. So I have lots of stories where God has um, reshaped my, my vision of him, uh, my understanding of him, uh, his heart, and, and kind of reshaped my vision of this world. Um, but uh, a simple one that I want to share um, was a, a church camp I was at. My pastor had went he because we were short on youth leaders, and my pastor was this. How old were you during this? Were you a student or a, like? I a was a student. Yeah, I was a student. Okay. I was I was uh, I think I was sixteen, sixteen. Uh, we were at Glorieta, New Mexico, which was a great camp. But um, I was just a goofball. Still, still a seven back then. We used to make. <laughs> we were really big on making ninja videos, and so we figured out Aww. different ways to do punches and kicks where it looked like you were actually so we were experimenting different angles and fun stuff like that well um to complete our uh, video we wanted to, a dub over you know where i would move my mouth and <laughs> somebody else would be talking do you still so, have these so, um i we we can't find them they're, they're oh, lost man. but if you could oh they'd be great <laughs> um but anyways so we had to film this last scene and the scene was a fight scene between um <laughs> it was great we anyways it was supposed to have a, a female and she was getting a back massage in a towel and um oh. and then well here's the thing we weren't we were actually pretty decent kids so um we had a male in a towel that looked like a female um <laughs> but okay. what we made look like a female sorry and <laughs> was he wearing a wig but we needed a female voice because we, we can't do the double oh, sure. with a male voice it wouldn't make any sense so we ended up uh inviting our friends it's that melissa girl again oh. Dang, she's in the story uh sorry lauren <laughs> so funny <laughs> yeah. uh, and 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 amber there were our friends there and we had them in our room and the fight scene was great because it was like hey what are you doing that's my girlfriend and stuff like this and dubbed over all that stuff and a pastor was next door it was probably two in the morning at camp we we're supposed <laughs> to be in our rooms 
and um, the girls were being a little rowdy because whatever they were giggling and stuff. And Blame it on the girls. There mm-hmm. you go. Well, Probably it, talking about it really boys. was their fault. But anyways, um, we we're like, gotta be quiet. We're trying to film this, <laughs> you know. So anyways, my pastor comes over and he's got his. He doesn't. He, he's got his shirt halfway on, unbuttoned, and he's got a big old belly hanging out, and he's. The fire of God is in him. Like, he is angry at this point. Pastor Woody, that was his name. Love you, Pastor. Uh, but, and he just opens the door. We open the door, and we're like, we're so caught. There's no way out. And he goes, where are the girls? <laughs> That's all he <laughs> says, where are the girls? And I was just like, oh, my gosh, we're done. We're done. I'm like, they're in the bathroom. Because <laughs> they went and hid in the bathroom. So they get out, and it was... uh this moment where I was extremely scared because you knew my mom really well and uh, my mom would not have been excited about that. I, I felt embarrassed. I felt like I knew I better n- not do that. Um, I felt really ashamed and I kind of just wanted to like curl into it. It was like one of those moments where uh, I avoid confrontation, confrontation and that was like the, I mean, it was the worst. I, I respected this man so much. And I loved him, and I did. I feel like I let him down. I'm looking into his eyes, and I'm like, not only could he crush me, but also he's just scarier than life. And also, I love him so much, and I let him down. And so, uh, it was a great. He. That's all he said was, "Where are the girls?" Girls. He says they came out, and he's like, "I think you guys better head back to your room." And he doesn't say anything else to us. He just says, "Good night, boys." shuts the door and then the next so we're i'm i mean i laid up all i'm just laid in my bed oh my how's this footage gonna turn around no i was like we should have got a shot of him uh but no i I i'm sitting there going over every scenario and what's gonna happen in the morning and what he thinks of me and i'm like i swear we weren't doing anything we were just but um we were breaking the rules and we knew it and that next morning he came to us, he pulled us aside, and I was kind of the leader of my group, so he's like, Joshua, come here. So he says, I'm going to make a deal with you. Um, I I know what it's like to be a parent, and I know what it's like to hear news like this, <laughs> and it's not great. And so if I can limit your parents from having to hear news like this, um, we can do this. Um, but I know you guys weren't doing anything inappropriate other than being where you shouldn't have been. So if you can make a deal with me, and you guys stop screwing around in my sermon because we used to sit in the back and doodle and stuff. Um, and you sit up front and pay attention to what I say. Um, we can mm. we can let this rest. And um, I felt like that was such a, a great uh, moment for me. It was this picture of grace where he he was w- he was more wise than me because uh, th- he 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 it was just. Everything that I thought about him came true at that moment, mm. and it was honestly helped shape me because I actually paid attention to church from there on. Yeah, and ever since I've known you, you sit in the front. I do sit in the front, and that actually is where that came from. So uh, any meeting I come sit in the front. But yeah, that was just a, such a beautiful picture mm. um, I felt of like uh, him showing grace and um, and wisdom, and I got to be. I'm glad I got to experience that, and the video did turn out good. In case <laughs> you were wondering, um, but it, it it ended up being all right, and we ended up laughing about it later, and it's good times. But mm. um, 
yeah, those those moments in our lives are so key, um, and and they're not all fun. Some of them are 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 sad. Some of them are scary. Some of them are. I feel like all of mine were experienced in that moment. Um, but it's it is a beautiful thing because if we fail um, to see or remember what God has done or how God has worked or even who we used to be. Um, mm-hmm. I- if we do that, we, it's a dangerous thing because we risk, we risk so much in that as we invite pride into our lives, as we invite um, just even like tribalism where we kind of say, this is me, this is them. And that, and, and instead of realizing uh, really the wretches that we all were and are and can be um, and that we're saved by this, grace and the things that God has done for us. So um, like our, my prayer for you as you're listening to this, that God, that you would take time and remember um, the things that God has worked in your life. Like actually sit down, maybe tell your kids about it, maybe tell your friend about it, maybe tell uh, me about it on Sunday or whenever. Um, just a time where God has actually reshaped your vision of this world or him um, through a story that he allowed you to be a part of. So, yeah, I can't help but think that some significant portion of eternal life in the new heavens and the new earth is going to involve a lot of stories like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and what would be so fun would be, you know, to have all the people that were <laughs> in that room helping tell that story. And mm-hmm. then the thing I wonder about a lot is just what it'll be like to hear the Lord tell mm-hmm. the stories about yeah. us yeah. Mm-hmm. and to say, here's actually what, here's actually what I was thinking when you were Alessi kind of fretting about Wheaton and here's actually what I was doing. Um, man, that'll be sweet. Yeah. Another thing that I thought of, um, as we're all sharing our stories is we all kind of shared them from when we were either teenagers or early twenties or, and I'm sure there's lots in every season of life, but if you're a younger viewer or listener right now, like open your eyes, pay attention to what the Lord's doing in your life and around you and with you and your friends. And I mean, I think just growing up, these are some super, these are some pivotal moments and times in our life. Um, When you're in junior high and high school, and I know Joshua can attest to that, um, being the (laughs) high school pastor. Um, But yeah, I don't know. I just was thinking about it like, huh, interesting. Each moment that we talked about, we were growing we're learning I mean we're always constantly learning and growing but it just made me kind of think like open up your eyes and and look what God's doing in your life right now yeah well, and there's some implications about just how we tend to go to the past um I love this quote by Tim Keller he says your future self will always see your present self as mm. unwise and immature wow your future self will always see your present self as unwise and immature. He says, that means you are currently a fool right now. Yeah. <laughs> Which means if someday you're going to look back <laughs> and go, man, oh, remember we did that For Jesus podcast? Remember what knuckleheads we were? Yeah. <laughs> um, that means we're knuckleheads now. That yeah. means we're fools now. And, yeah. um, and so that's why actually in the next episode, what I think I'd like to do is have us talk about how is the Lord changing us now? Because mm-hmm. I think one of the things that Christians are great at is looking back at how, you know, I used to struggle and I used to sin and I used to need help, but now I've kind of got it all buttoned up. Um, and praise God for the opportunity to remember. I mean, that's what that's what this whole thing's been about. How do we mm-hmm. how do we remember? But how do we train ourselves to see some of what God's doing in the moment also? So mm-hmm. yeah. maybe that's where we'll go next time. I love it. I would love to do that. That yeah. would be fun to talk about. 
if you need uh, some, sometimes to, even as we planned this one, uh, we, it helped to have topics. So that if you're yeah. like, I don't know how to, what to remember, think through topics. So I think one of the ones I titled was the time that I was right, but I was so wrong. Um, <laughs> so if you like set that out in front of your friends and say, you have to tell, this is your topic, the time that I was right, but I was so wrong or, mm-hmm. or things like that. So think through topics. The time that I was humbled. Yeah. Or, or any of those. Yeah. Great. All right. Well, I think that's all we have for you today. So uh, thanks for joining us. And we hope you uh, join us again soon uh, in our next episode. Yeah. Love you, Joshua. See ya. Thanks for joining.